I mean, I just 100% agree with 1-2 and 1-6 that this is hands down the best professional and personal development course that I have ever been through. And that's what this is. Like, you can call it assessment and selection because sure, it's that. But I could have come here with no intention of going to the 724 and this would have had un, like, unimaginable value. Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, welcome back to the Insight Through Experience podcast, everybody. We've got a great episode for you this week. I know it's been a while since we dropped an episode, but we just completed Operator Selection 23-03. I invited three operators to sit down with me and just discuss their experience as they were preparing and going through the process. I think this will be very informative for folks and who are planning on coming through the operator process in the future. And just how to prepare more effectively, how to keep control of the chaos that's going to go on inside your mind, and then really some of the general atmospherics of what happens during the selection process so you can kind of um, drop some of those expectations that aren't really true. Joining us today, we have Charlie 1-2, he's a PJ. We have Charlie 1-6, he's a TAC-P, and we have Charlie 2-4, he's a combat controller. So sit back, get ready to take some notes, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Insight Through Experience podcast. Let's go. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. It is good to be back. It's been a while since we put out an episode. Um, it feels good to be back on the mic and have three warriors with me to interview right after we got done with selection. They just found out a couple of hours ago that they were picked up to the unit. So it is my pleasure to have you guys here. Thanks for coming. Uh, Charlie 1-2, thanks for having us, Mr. Free. Uh, Charlie 1-6 here. Yeah, I appreciate you having us on. Charlie 2-4, yeah, I can't say anything other than thanks for having us. 1-2, we're going to start with you. First, just how did you end up in the Air Force? How did you decide to be a PJ? What unit are you at, and why did you come up here? Yeah, Charlie went to, uh, came to the Air Force because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do uh, exactly as far as college. And I didn't want to go and waste money and my time uh, finding out that I didn't want to do what I ended up doing. So I uh, joined the Air Force to see the world. I ended up as a bomb technician in Albuquerque. And uh, by proxy being down there and seeing the PJ trainees running around their short shorts constantly, I figured that that was something that intrigued me and that I wanted to do. So I put in a retraining package and uh, about four years ago, I retrained to be a PJ. Uh, I'm also out of uh, the 58th in Vegas. One six, over to you. So where did you grow up? How did you decide to come in the Air Force? And why did you end up in TACP? I grew up in a small town, Lafayette, Georgia. I was a personal trainer for a little bit before the Air Force. Um, did not enjoy that. Uh, after too long, I really missed being on a team, a team environment. So um, I thought the military would be a great fit. Uh, I heard about Air Force Special Warfare, uh, specifically TACP, thought it sounded awesome, and uh, yeah, pursued that, and ended up at the uh, 25th ASOS in Hawaii. 2-4, over to you. How did you, uh, where'd you grow up? How'd you come in the military? Why'd you pick the Air Force and YCCT? 
Um, so I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Um, so I like to say that everyone in the Air Force has been to my hometown at least once. Uh, and then after high school, I went to college on an Air Force ROTC scholarship. I was gonna go. I was gonna try and be a doctor um, in the Air Force. But while I was there, uh, our commander of that unit uh, was a STO. And I started learning about combat control. And as I learned more and more about it, I was like, man, I don't want to be an officer. I don't even want to be a STO. I want to be a, I want to be a CCT. So uh, went that, that route and uh, enlisted uh, on, to go to CCT um, in 2018. Uh, and that's pretty much all I've done. Went uh, my first unit is the unit that I'm at now is the 320th out in Okinawa. Really, guys, I'm just going to go around the horn and just I just want to hear how recovery's been since the end of Exhale because we know it's physically and mentally taxing. So I'm just kind of wanting to know and let the audience hear how you're recovering really about what 36 hours post coming out of the field. One six, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, recovery has been good. Uh, feet and back are a little sore. Got a couple of bruises, maybe a little bit battered up. But um, honestly, the pain of Exhale was nothing compared to pushing through a seemingly impossible event with the team. I mean, it's totally re rewarding getting in that place of suffering with those guys. So, uh, but yeah, recovery so far, so good. One, two, over to you. How's your recovery been? Uh, yeah, it's been good. Uh, a couple aches and pains I feel you would uh, anticipate after having some weight on your back for a decent amount of mileage, but a couple blisters. I think the best thing is finally being able to get some food in my stomach and keep it down. Awesome. 2-4, how's that recovery been? I know at the end of Exfield, man, um, life was hard for you. So how's it been since then? Yeah, uh, end of Exfield, I was I was hurting pretty bad. But I'm shocked at how quick the recovery has come. Uh, you want to talk about us getting off the bus back at the uh, hotel? And you you watch everybody walk through. Like you If you were from looking on the outside looking in, you'd have found that absolutely hilarious looking and then the next day, everyone's kind of moving a little tender. And today, it looks like most people are walking around feeling pretty good. So I've been very, very pleasantly surprised at how quick it's gone. Now that you guys are a few days or let's say 36 hours past the whole experience, and I want you to take the whole experience in mind, as you reflect back on it, what are some thoughts that go through your head? Too far, I'd like to start with you on this one. Man, so thinking through the entire thing, it, it's almost like, an overwhelming amount of information all coming in at once to try and think through it all. So like, I've just been trying to let my mind do like a free flow in a way, just let my thoughts take me where they want to take me. Um, and I keep coming back across like things I could have done better. And it's like, it's one of those things that I actually got debriefed on. It's like, stop kicking yourself for your like failures. And I find myself still doing it. One, two, over to you. So reflecting on the whole experience, what's standing out in your mind right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the whole experience was pretty incredible. Uh, as 2-4 said, there's a lot to unpack, and I'm sure just mulling it over, things will like click as we go through weeks and weeks of this. But um, being the, the senior ranking guy, at least as far as enlisted goes, I think it was a really good demonstration of how leadership affects the team. Uh, there were a lot of things that I uh, learned as far as motivating factors, you know, I knew coming in that I had a tendency to get fired up and that some people don't re like receive it well that way. Um, however, there were times when being fired up was a good way to get the team moving. So I think that, you know, 
the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is like knowing your team on a personal level, not just like a, Hey bro, like welcome to work, but knowing what motivates them, what fuels their fire, what like gets them up and going every day. Um, if you know them that intimately, like that makes you a better leader and a better teammate. Awesome input, man. And I agree with you and try to set the process up to where we're going to force um, guys in leadership positions to have to use all tools, right? Because if you just have a hammer, clearly that works some places, but it's not going to work here because of the, the type of operator and support people that you're working with. So sometimes you just got to, I'm just repeating what you're saying, saying it in my words. Sometimes you just got to know them on a human level and know what they value and use some of those values to, to get them to move forward with you. So, man, I thought a lot of you were doing that very well through the process, especially when you get tired on Xville and other places, I saw some of that greatness come out. So well said one, six over to you. So the whole experience was standing out in your mind right now. It's definitely a lot to unpack. I mean, it is a rapid selection, a fire hose process. Um, and you think about the years of hard work that went into preparing for it, essentially what you could draw from to address these novel problems that are totally abstract that you never dealt with or what you can use from your past to deal with things that is more familiar. Um, so yeah, just reflecting on all of it, trying to get rested physically and mentally come back from, you know, a taxing, a taxing week. But, um, yeah, other than that, just continuing to think about it and mull it over. So I'm going to just let the audience know that one six had just completed another long selection process a little bit before we won't talk much about it, but, um, one six, I'm just wondering, and I know we'll probably talk about this in preparation, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but how do you go from that model to our model, which is, I would say, probably as different as you could have in selection models? I would say the the transformation was hard in the aspect of there's actually a mental preparation piece that needs to be addressed, especially when it comes to the attributes that the 724 values. Um, easier was that physical preparation already being accomplished, especially with those long mileage um, events. Um, so th that made that part easier. However, the mental part was definitely hard to bridge that gap. Um, that, that was the major difference between the two uh, selections. That's awesome. That's helpful for me. All right, 2-4, coming to you for this question. Um, what part of the process did you value on a personal level and why? Sure. So the, uh, I think the thing that I valued the most on a personal level was the, the emphasis that y'all put on feedback in every step of the process and then actually giving feedback throughout the process. Like it wasn't like, um, at the, you know, all feedback came at the end, you were getting feedback on every event right at the end and sometimes during the event. And then encouraging and including uh, within the process chance for you to get feedback from your uh, peers. Making us do that, it just brings us closer. It brought us all much closer and it made us all better in the moment. And we were able to carry that throughout the week. Awesome input, man. Uh, one six. Yeah, the thing that I valued the most was uh, frankly working with guys that are better than me. Um, I valued receiving that feedback, identifying my uh, shortfalls, where I could improve, and uh, achieving mission success afterwards. Um, I mean, it was super valuable. They, uh, they say if you're the biggest shark in, in your pool, you need to find a new pool. Not that I was ever the best guy on the team, but it's just uh, it's refreshing to see guys that are just ahead of you and 
and to be working with that and see where you can improve it was very valuable awesome over to you one two yeah i definitely agree with two four the feedback aspect of it is something that you'd like to get at your unit which if you have like a driven team leader or an el or something maybe they'll set that up for you but you know coming in the first day it was you telling us hey feedback 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 that's going to be like your main priority through this whole thing and i think all of us were like yeah okay mr free we got it and then you know that second day or maybe that night it was like someone said something a little cutting that was like hey basically fix your stuff and it was like oh okay well if you're not afraid to say that then i got some stuff for you and then as the week went on it was like less personal like a rea- a reaction you know and it was actually like useful information so i thought that was like really valuable and kind of eye-opening to how good feedback can be for changing on a short-term basis. Yeah. And it always gives me hope that if you guys can close the gap with each other within just a couple of days and are able to be honest and forthright and and change behaviors on the spot, it's just, we can do it. We can do it in rescue. We can do it in the TACP community. We can do it in ST. I just wish we would. We need some leaders like all of you guys out there to take this back out and just start implementing it. And, Hopefully, eventually, one day it'll be part of our culture, but I would posit that we have a feedback problem in most of our units, and I just wish we could fix that because um, it's like we still have tethers on right now, and if we could just start getting the feedback process right, those tethers would be removed, and who knows where these units and our the mission that we do for the Air Force and the nation, um, where it could go. All right, so let's talk about preparation. One, two, we're going to start with you on this one. So looking back at your preparation before arriving, what was your broad strategy and how well did that play out at selection? Uh, so broad strategy was, you know, do the things that are highlighted on the website, which is, you know, the great resource that as long as you weren't born prior to 1980, hopefully you know how to use a website, <laughs> and the internet to your advantage by this point. But uh, pushing past that, um, I think just developing like a, a very uh, unique understanding about yourself and where your limits lie. You know, I think a lot of guys, when they train for things, maybe just everyday training, don't push themselves. And so they don't really know uh, where their physical and then their mental limit is. So getting together with my HPO staff and even my uh, mental, like mental side, like really trying to devise a plan to push myself so that I knew what that felt like. Um, so that when it started to happen here, I had something that was like a, a key in my head, it was like, okay, you need to reel it back a little or you're about to fall off a cliff and probably be unrecoverable. Staying with you, if you could go back and do it again, knowing what you know now, what would, what would be some things you would add, take away or, or change? I definitely think that one of the things I was a little underprepared for were um, just the, like the official side of you know leadership and then stepping into any leadership opportunity. You know, it didn't need to be um, like mission planning course or uh, planning an FMP, but just any any individual circumstance where you could be in charge and be personally responsible for the outcome, uh, I think is huge for prep coming here because you're going to have a lot of situations where you may not be the senior ranking or even the most knowledgeable, but you're probably going to get put in that role. Um, two, four, over to you. So what was the general broad strategy you had coming to selection and how that play out for you? So for me, I had three different things that I was going to focus on. I was going to focus on personal, like studying, essentially, uh, a workout program, and then interview preparation with the uh, psych doc at my unit. Uh, So for that first part, the personal studying, that's things like 
reading one of the books on the uh, book list or listening to podcasts or just, you know, going through the, um, uh, the mental resiliency uh, paper on, uh, on the website, things like that to really try and better myself on my own. Workout program is self-explanatory. Um, so I just followed that. And then the psych doc interview prep, I would say that was incredibly valuable. So if you've got like a psych doc at your home unit and you're not utilizing that person for that, uh, you're, man, you're, you're cutting yourself short. What workout plan did you use? Did you use something off the website or did you just let your HPO team build it? So our HPO team had one, uh, and I was told by guys that had gone to uh, selection prior to me that it was good and just follow it. Uh, looking back now, I would not agree. Um, I think that there are some places, and, and I've been asked to come back with like things that can help it, and I've got some thoughts on what I would change about it. But, yeah, I would say that that, that workout plan needs to be tweaked a bit because I was hurting in some events that I should not have been hurting in. Good. I that I could have been better in. Gotcha. That's a good transition. So what, looking back at it now, now that you know what, what goes on here, what would you adjust? What would you change? What would you keep for that preparation? So for the preparation as a whole, one thing that I would emphasize is that you need to problem solve when you are tired. So implement something at like, cause I know everyone at some point during their program every week, you're going to rock. It's just going to happen. I, everyone knows that you're going to ruck. So what I would say is that if I could have gotten another person just to be like, I could just be like, hey, person, man, woman, can I get you to just go on this whiteboard because this is where I'm going to end my ruck. And I just want you to write out 10 math equations or something. You know, it can be whatever. It can be a puzzle. It can be a word game. Write out those and I'm going to solve them as fast as I can when I get back. That I think would have been really, really valuable to just keep my mind going because when I finished my ruck, man, it was like, all right, straight to the ice bath, chill, go home, eat, go to bed. So that would be the biggest change I would make in terms of like concept of it. One six over to you, broad, broad general. What did you do to prep when you got here? And then um, how effective was it? Uh, my broad strategy was to uh, follow the physical prep program and the mental preparation pack is provided at the uh, 724 STG website. Uh, additionally, I committed the uh, five attributes to memory and also read some of the book suggestions that uh, helped the reader improve themselves in individual areas. Uh, those included uh, like peak mind, uh, the upside of stress, brief, can't hurt me, uh, just to name a few. And I found this very helpful throughout. So with all that in mind, uh, knowing what you know now about the process, what would you do differently if you could go back and prep again? If I could go back and prep um, again, I would definitely seek out some uh, public speaking opportunity or just briefing a ground commander, uh, maybe do a mock interview and just get some feedback. Um, there's a lot of areas where we can improve our speech that we may not be aware of, um, especially if nerves come into play like I often deal with. So, yeah, just going back, addressing those early on and finding solutions before you come to a selection would be very helpful. That's gold. Without revealing too much, just try to explain in your own words how many times you're going to be put in a situation that's high pressure and you're having to brief something to the cadre staff, to a GFC or whatever during selection. Just give your, just riff on that for a minute and give, give your opinion or your thoughts. Well, if you're nervous about speaking, um, it's going to be a lot more than you want. <laughs> 
it's going to be at least, you know, probably 10 to 15 times you'll get up, you'll speak to some part of a problem set that you're trying to solve or some portion of a mission. And you have to be able to essentially um, be able to explain you know, what's going on competently uh, to uh, show that you can communicate and be effective at this level. I love that you threw a number out there because when you said 10 to 15, I was thinking, wait a minute, that sounds high. Now I'm thinking about the process like, nope, it's at least that. So I want that to be a shock to the people out there, not to scare them away, but you just say, man, you need to do some prep. Just like, just like you just said, you need to prep for it a little bit because it's every day, multiple times a day during selection, you're going to be put in that position. So love it. All right, 2-4, over to you for this one. What did you feel like your biggest weakness was when you were moving through selection and when you realized it? What was your strategy to, to fix it? So my biggest weakness that I think uh, affected me the most was towards the end. Um, when we're on, X, we're on Xville and everyone's exhausted, uh, my emotional side came out much more. Um, and I started having like an emotional tone with guys. And it came off as if I was like angry with them um, or like frustrated with them because, you know, everything's going on. You just want to succeed. So you're trying to tell guys where to go you're trying to get them picking up jerry cans or whatever they might be doing and um that was definitely my biggest uh biggest challenge it also came out even before we were hitting that super physical stuff i was given like a very specific example of something that i did and i didn't even realize it until they brought it back up and i was like oh my god i totally did that and i felt horrible about it um but once i realized i was doing it within um Xville specifically, I we hit a point where we were done, and I told all the guys, I was like, hey, guys, I know what I just came off as. I'm sorry. I promise you that I know y'all are doing everything you can. I'm not I'm not frustrated with you, and I just wanted to, like, bring them, like, let them know that I re I'm recognizing it, I'm working on it, and I'm really happy with their performance. It had to be tough in the moment to hear it and then to get past it, so what was that like, man? Just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it, it is tough in the to hear that because it's like there's no refuting it. You know, it's like as soon as it's brought to your attention, you're like, man, that is just accurate. Uh, so that's always hard to just be, and in, and in, in a situation like Xville where you're just like you're already, you're trying to stay out of your pain cave, and one of the instructors comes up and shows you something that you are really messing up, it can drive you much farther down. Um, so the challenge is, of course, don't let yourself get driven into that hole for sure yeah using the language that we talked about in the introduction is that that comment's going to make you go self-focused quickly and then just keep just going down the self-focused freaking tunnel of death man so getting back to that task focus what you were talking about where the team um who's carrying what what are you doing for the team in that moment that's really honest to god the only way out of that the only right way to go Absolutely. And what I learned was this is the biggest lesson I have taken away. It's like a way to motivate people. We always do this thing where we're just like, come on, man, pick it up. You can push through this. Everybody's hurting. And really, those are empty words because they know like anybody here has been through the pipeline. They know. Uh, so what I found that was more effective was like give those guys who are really in that pain cave a goal, because that's what got me out of my pain cave was I all of a sudden had to do something. So Give them a goal. Be like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pick this jug up and you're going to make it all the way to that uh, that chem light or whatever it might be. And you're even if you need to put it down, you're going to put it down and pick it back up as fast as you can and just give them that goal. And they're going to all of a sudden have something to think about other than how much pain they're in. 
Exactly. Task focus versus self focus. Love it. All right, one, two. What did you feel like your biggest weakness was moving through selection, and uh, how did you deal with it? And I'm really looking forward to having this discussion because you were dealing with a whole lot of crap this week. So what was it, man? Uh, yeah, uh, we uh, started off the week by doing some physical events. Uh, no shock to anyone listening, but I feel like I showed up for that pretty well prepared, uh, put in max effort, and then you know came back to the hotel, started recovery by eating various types of food, working on team projects and whatnot, and you know within an hour or two, I just started you know losing my cookies. I could not keep food down anymore. And pretty much from the end of Monday night, um, all the way through, uh, even until Thursday morning, I was just thrown up endlessly, could not keep any food down. The most I could keep down was water and electrolytes. And so I would say the biggest weakness I had and struggled with was, um, that like mentality is I knew I'd put in all this physical and mental prep. Um, and I felt like it was just going down the drain. And I was like, I know if I show up and I've eaten and I've done all my work, like I'll be handling infill and exfil just fine. But I started to doubt myself because I was like, well, I didn't train to not have any calories. I didn't train to be superbly dehydrated and malnourished going into the field. So um, I definitely would be lying if I said I didn't go into some dark spirals at times when I was just hovering over the toilet. Like, man, how am I going to pull myself out of this? And be able to get through these next two or three days of physical events. Yeah, I think we can all agree. A lot of the cadre were obviously having conversations in the background and impressed with your ability to keep pushing forward. And to me, what it proves, I think, and you're a beast anyway, man, so you may be an anomaly, uh, but if you prep hard enough and if you prep right for this, uh, even when things start, the universe starts pitting things against you, you can still make it through this process. You can. And that's what I just want to put out there. If you come here kind of half-assed prepared and something like that, you get sick like one, two, this process is probably going to take you down pretty quick and you're probably not going to finish. One, two showed up very prepared. It was obvious. And even with the ability to inability to hold calories down through some of the um, hardest parts of the event, uh, he made it through. And he's not only did he make it through, folks, he freaking crushed it. So it was impressive, man. You were the first one that I've seen get sick during the process that sick and make it through. So well done. One six over to you. So during the process, what did you feel like the biggest weakness was? What started um, kind of sticking out in the spotlight to you? And then how did you deal with it? So I had uh, multiple teammates that were just sharp as a whip, competent problem solvers that could see a problem and identify a solution very quickly. Uh, I'd say my biggest weakness was communicating those ideas as quickly to contribute. Um, I ended up having to sort of shift my role on the team to take uh, maybe certain parts of those solutions and developing them further to uh, contribute in that way. So uh, yeah, overall, just biggest weakness was maybe communicating those ideas quickly enough to actually uh, help the team from the, from the jump. What were some of the strategies once you realized that? What were you doing to deliberately try to get better at that? Just trying to identify those problems as fast as possible and contribute some sort of solution, whether it was what we ended up going with or not. Just uh, feeling or trying to participate the best I could, you know, to the best of my ability. All right, one six. We're going to stick with you for this one. What were some of the things you witnessed in other candidates? So all the guys that we surrounded you with, what were some of the things you saw them doing that were effective? You kind of talked a little bit about it in that answer, but. Um, looking around and you saw that is what right looks like. I need to do more of that. What were some of those examples? 
really in some of the uh, briefing portions, you would see guys very relaxed, you know, taking breaths, tactical pauses, maintaining eye contact, developing messages very clearly. Uh, Charlie 1-2 is a great example of that. In addition, you know, um, guys were just problem solving very effectively. Uh, and when I saw that, it was obvious. <clears throat> and then also, you know, Charlie 1-1, uh, just saw some great leadership from him. It made the whole team successful. Uh, just taking on ownership of all of our projects and uh, mission sets. And so, yeah, a, a myriad of things that I saw from the teammates very that were very good. Awesome. Over to you, too, for what were some of those things that you saw other guys doing that you were like, that's what Wright looks like. I need to do more. So uh, I think the biggest one that I that I took away was from Charlie 2-6. And I... I wish he would have come out of his shell earlier in the process because, oh, my God, is that guy a leader. Um, but his calm, but calm, but aggressive is the way I've I've put it. I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but like, man, he's not emotional. He's very calm. He knows exactly what he's saying, but he says it in such a way that you like you understand the importance of what he's telling you and why you need to do it right now. So that style of leadership was just like, I was like, man, if I wish I could have seen that earlier because I, I would emulate that 100% of the time. Uh, additionally, uh, saw some guys that always kept you accountable. Like Charlie26 uh, was, again, one of those guys, and uh, Charlie28 was one of those guys uh, that just every time you went to do something, like in a very cool, calm way, they're just like, hey, also make sure you're doing whatever team project it is, you know, make sure you're eating, get some food in you, you know, like, how are you doing? You go keeping guys accountable, thinking of like, what's important, what do we need to do and what, how can we move forward? So that would, I think be the other one. That's why I love peer feedback because what you just said about two eight, we didn't get to see a lot of that on our side. Right. And we just have to realize on the evaluator side that, and this is why I built a process the way it is, is, um, Man, the peers see it all. You're like the persistent ISR. You're like the MQ9 that's overhead for 24 hours. And the other analogy I use are evaluators is like a F15 or F18 checking on station, and we only got about 30 minutes of fuel, and then we're going to be being going to have to go back to the tanker. So um, that's good to hear about 2-8. And 2-6, I couldn't agree with more. I think assertive might be the, the word you're looking for. Um, he just asserts himself in the right place at the right time and does it in a manner that people listen and can hear him. He doesn't do it where it just people get tired of hearing it. Xville, he shined as bright as anybody. Um, he would sit there when everybody else was dead. He was clear-headed. I swear he was getting stronger the longer that we went. And he was taking care of everybody to his left and his right. And even across the road, I heard him talking to somebody and, and trying to take care of them. So I think it's some of that. And I'm a prior Marine, so I'm biased. But I think it's some of that prior Marine in him, um, some of those leadership lessons he learned there. And I think it was awesome. I'm glad you called those two guys out. One, two, over to you. What were some of those things that you saw guys around you doing right that you're like, yeah, I probably need to do a little more of that? Uh, yeah, so when you come in, you're going to do your introductions, and guys are going to kind of give their initial biases, you know, things that they think they're good at. And to me, that was important because I wrote them all down, and then I was like, all right, I want to see if these guys live up to that or if that's something we need to, like, give them feedback on. And Charlie15 made the note of, yeah, you know, the last the last team always called me Team Mom, uh, Team Mom. And so I kind of chuckled at that. But then as I got sick, like, man, I'll be damned if he did not start looking a lot like my mother. Because he was constantly offering me, I think I, I think I still have like four packets of bone broth. He was 
telling me to go take like a 30 minute nap. He was just constantly badgering me in a good way. Yeah. Um, so I realized that like showing that empathy when someone's down the dumps, it doesn't have to be sick, but even just like feeling like crap or not feeling like they had a good rep um, can go a long way by fixing that mental state. All right, my fun, this is a fun question. Um, one, two, we're gonna start with you. If you could go back and do one event, you get one event over, what would you go back and do and why? Uh, I mean, the, <laughs> the one that I had the most fun with, but I also think is probably the one that's most universally helpful, uh, at least for our general career fields, is the problem-solving pipes. I don't know exactly what to call it, but- you call it the leadership the, event. The, the leadership event, uh, man, that was such a great, just full rounded uh, ability to look at someone's attributes aside from drive because it you know it, it took communication being able to highlight what individual things you needed to do as well as how well you can work with your team not get frustrated when they have a bunch of answers um handle the stress of all the different problems you're handled at the same time and um and then the, the competitive side of all of us comes out and it's like well crap man we were so close i could do that again like i could totally build that if you just give me like another rep so uh with my team we were definitely very close and at the end of it i was like oh, i want to do that again we could totally get it such good feedback for me and that is one event that has stood the test since i started tweaking this back in like 2013 and 14 that's one event that we've kept and has kept getting better and i think we've got it dialed in now okay one six over to you if you could go back and do one event in selection what would that event be and why it's going to sound a little crazy but i'd have to say xville um to me, there's nothing like suffering with the guys, and uh, there's no better way to show the evaluators you're about it than uh, just absolutely grinding to the end, giving it all you have. And um, yeah, if I had to do one event again, it would certainly be that one. I thought it was just the, one of the hardest things I've ever done, but also just a blast when you look back and think about it. I mean, just incredible. What would you change about you during that event if you could go back and adjust anything? I would definitely like to think that I could go back and make more of a difference as a vocal leader, as opposed to someone who's just carrying the load. Uh, however, in that situation, Charlie one, two had such a good command of things. It felt right to just be one of the guys carrying the weight and being that solid foundation for the group. Man, good insight. And it's also imperative to us for people to realize, just like you just said it, Sometimes your role is to carry the freaking litter or carry the jugs and just to go, just to move forward. Um, so well done, man. Two, four over to you. What's that event you want to go back and do again and why? I'm really glad none of us actually had the same event because um, I would say the uh, Sokolov problem. Sure. Absolutely. And I mean, it's not only just because I failed that problem, uh, but it's because it's the problem that I think embodies truly everything, all five of the attributes that you're going to have to display to get hired. It is what I call and tell everybody that comes watch it. It is the perfect event. So imagine you're on stage and out in the audience are people who want to come up here and give this a shot. What advice are you giving them to hopefully prime them and set them up for success as they are getting ready to step up here to go through the process? I think that, uh, I mean, you hit on it in all the other podcasts, but it, it really is true. Uh, I think one six had a good point about, you know, your why your, your reason to be up here is so important that no matter how much you prep, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, 
if your why is not good enough, like you could be, you know, a Boston marathon winner and eventually at 30 hours, 30 hours in uh, lap two of whatever, you're going to be like, man, screw this. I am just tired of this. So understanding and having a good interpretation of like why the heck you want to come up here, I think is really important and will drive you way past any of your physical limitations will. And then uh, just, you know, being prepared physically, you know, that's the one thing I feel is within your control that when you come up here, if you're physically prepared in every way, like that's just one less stress piece on you that you have to deal with. Uh, there's going to be so many other things that come up that you want to control as many variables, if you will, uh, beforehand. Awesome. Awesome input. One six over to you. Yeah. For uh, people that are looking into coming up and giving this a shot, I would definitely say start at the website, visit the links, study up on the mental uh, homework as well as the uh, books to improve yourself. And uh, like Charlie12 was saying, I think the foundation is physical preparation. I mean, if you have that squared away, you have a lot of bandwidth left to uh, improve in those other areas and uh, make sure your drive is there because you are going to be challenged and you're going to be pressed. And if you don't know why you want to be up here, it's going to be very easy to stop. So. Just make sure all that's uh, good to go before you come up and you'll find success. Beautiful. Thanks. Two, four over to you. The physical prep is amazing. I, I love that answer from uh, one, two. Uh, that's just true. But I would actually, uh, I would say that people need to focus more on their ability to problem solve. And I say that because of the five attributes, four of those attributes have been harped on their entire pipeline for that, at least for the operators. Like, you are going through stress tolerance, you know, you are working on interpersonal effectiveness, building those teams, you're working on communication, your drive needs to be there. But your problem solving process has never been challenged. At least it wasn't when I went through the pipeline. The results might have been challenged. Like they might tell me I was stupid for thinking this might work, but the process itself was never challenged. So like reading the books that, uh, that the website recommends for problem solving would be the biggest thing I would say would set people up for success because it's going to open their mind to the most abstract of those uh, of those character traits that y'all are looking for. That's good. And I think we talked about it as we move through ANS about how even when we give you something novel, those train tracks that we talked about in the podcast, the problem solving podcast, how we you see it every time. I'm I'm fallible to it. We're all fallible to it of how you, even though it's a novel problem that needs a novel solution our brains are just going to reach to familiar stuff and try to turn that familiar stuff and fit it in a, you know, it's all, it's like grabbing a square and trying to fit it in the circle hole. Um, and that's what we keep trying to do over and over. So I agree with you. If you go read some of those resources, listen to the problem solving podcast, even though it's my voice and you're, everybody's probably tired of hearing it. Uh, just realizing that, man, if I just start asking myself or others questions, maybe I can pull them off of, out of that rut, out of that train track and, and go somewhere else that I need to go to really figure the problem out. Um, and I said it in the podcast, so I just want to say it again on this one of the military, we got to have structure. We need things like nine lines when it comes to cast and stuff to keep us in the box. But my goodness, that box also really restricts how we solve problems, too, because we're always kept in a box and using formats. And I think somebody wrote it in their feedback. I can't remember if it was one of you guys. It was Tech P for sure that just said my whole career, I've never really solved a problem. I'm just plugging numbers into a format. Um, and then reporting that up to an aircraft and they're, they're executing too, but I'm not really solving the problem. I'm just 
um, using what I know and plugging in numbers. You could argue that that's true or not true, but I think it's a good way to look at it. And there's another, um, I don't know if y'all ever heard this. Have you ever heard that a guy was walking down the street at night, it's dark, um, he walks by an alleyway and there's a dude underneath the street light and he's looking for something. And he says, hey man, what, what are you doing? The guy's like, I'm looking for my keys. And the guy was like, well, did you lose them? Did you, I mean, did you lose them right here? He's like, no, I lost them over there in the dark, but I can see here, so I'm looking for them here. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about, right? You're trying to solve a problem with those train tracks. You're underneath the street light. The answer's out in the damn darkness, but we don't go to the darkness. We stay in the comfortable street light looking for it when there's no chance we're going to find it there, right? So that's a great analogy, or honestly, it's a, it's a beautiful story that points us that we've got to read books. We've got to do things outside of that street light move into the darkness so we can expand the street light eventually and and solve problems a different way all right i've got two bonus questions are we ready some of the feedback you guys gave me on the question of hey what's some of the things holding guys back from coming up to the unit and trying out and one of the key things that was mentioned several times is that um guys don't want to go through another ans process for whatever reason right and i know that's true because a lot of them have told me that but I want them to hear from your words, people that just experienced it. What is the difference between what you experienced when you were at Lackland or in your process through the pipeline? And what's it like here? Just so they know when they get here, I just want them to know what the expectations are. So in their mind, right, they're still underneath the street light, thinking about Lackland or thinking about whatever that process was. Um, I'm trying to move them in the darkness and, and realize what the truth is up here. So. One, two, if we could start with you, just give me your the differences um, between what you experienced when you were coming through the pipeline, which um, as a cross trainee, I'd be interested too, because you were more mature when you came through, you're older. Uh, what was that experience like and how is it different to what you experienced here? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of uh, retrograding going back into a pipeline after being a 26 year old man, you know, living his life, doing his thing, and then kind of going back into what seemed like at the time a model that was built strictly around kids or people who hadn't really done a whole lot in life. Um, and it didn't allow for any flexibility in that model. So it was kind of, if you were a 30 year old coming in, like you were treated like an 18 year old. And if you're an 18 year old coming in, you were treated like an 18 year old. Uh, I would stress that even for me, that was kind of one thing I was worried about uh, coming up here is maybe the bad taste of, oh, I don't want to get like screamed at again or, dropped because someone couldn't tie their shoelace when they woke up. But after going through this process, like, I, I think there was a TACP I went through airborne with it went through selection. And he was like, man, the greatest like professional development you will ever do in your entire life is going to the 724 uh, ANS process. And I took it, heard it, went out the other ear. But now that I've been here, I could not agree more. Like there is, there's no games, there's no fluff. The instructors are not degrading you for any reason, like they're strictly here to observe and put on the process and then to give you feedback. And then what happens and how you change as a person is totally based on you. You can take the feedback and run to the moon with it, or you can let it go in one ear and out the other and be like, man, eh, they just didn't know what they were talking about. But that would be a failure on your part because they have so many instances to really see the true you. Well said, I appreciate that answer. One six, how about you? What's the difference between what you experienced at the inception point when you came into Aspect War and your experience here? Yeah, I'd agree with Charlie one too. This is a uh, professional development course. Um, there really is no win or lose. If you come up here with a growth mindset, you're going to walk away with a lot of valuable knowledge 
that you can take back to your unit and utilize to improve everyone in your shop. And, you know, that's something that's not going to happen at a um, traditional assessment selection course to, to earn a beret. Um, it's not just some smoke fest. It's a, um, it's a course that has undergone a lot of research, a lot of development, and uh, they've perfected it, uh, or at least gotten close to it. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely different, and it's worth coming up here and giving it a shot. Awesome. I appreciate that. Two, four, over to you. I mean, I just 100% agree with one, two, and one, six, that this is hands down the best professional and personal development course that I have ever been through. And that's what this is. Hey, you can call it assessment and selection because sure, it's that, but I could have come here with no intention of going to the 724 and this would have had un, like unimaginable value. Like um, I'm coming out of this a different person than when I went in and I think I'm a better just person because of it. And it wasn't like, it's not like I feel like, I think everyone kind of feels that way. Um, so yeah, the cadre here aren't trying to get you to quit, which, you know, that's what the pipeline is. It's like, all right, let's see who, who's weak mentally or whatever, right. whatever way we try to justify making people quit. Um, that, that's not what this is. This really is. They're just trying to develop you, make you better. Okay. Last question. Y'all ready? We've never asked this before on this podcast. Some people may know this, some people may not, but you guys get to live in a hotel and it's not that great of a hotel. So let's go ahead and reduce expectations a little bit, but there's hotel life during phase two. Explain that. Like, what are you eating? Um, how much are you getting to stay in your room? What is the team room like? Can y'all just walk through, just riff on it a little bit too far. I'm going to start with you this time. Just riff on it. So guys have an understanding of what to expect when they get up here. Gosh, man, starting uh, starting at like the room. I'm from Okinawa, so I got in a couple days early to try and fix my sleep schedule. So I was around the hotel a little bit more than the rest of the guys. But starting with the room, you know, it's a small room. It's got a couple beds and a TV and a little refrigerator. So for me, I went and got like food that I could like eat at, like kind of on the go, like guacamole or hummus, carrot sticks, stuff like that, um, tuna packets, and then. When uh, when you go downstairs, there's a bunch of conference rooms, and one of those conference rooms is your team room, and that's just like your space. And I didn't realize that coming in; I had no idea. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what it looks like here. Uh, and man, I was shocked at uh, during hotel phase how much I could just determine what I eat. Like I was not expecting that. I mean, I was trying to plan out like. All right, I'm buying all this tuna and this these you know salami and all these things that I'm going to be able to eat. I'll be self-contained, but it wasn't that way. Like you could, you had a lunch time, you had breakfast time, you had dinner time to go and get some food. So that was all very surprising to me. Uh, yeah, no, those are those are a good highlight of what the hotel looks like. But I think the bigger point of you uh, bringing that up is it highlights that this truly is in fact a professional development course. It's not. You know, A&S, you're living in the barracks and having dudes run up and down the hallways or people kicking in your door randomly. Like this is a gentleman's course, if you will, in the sense of like they give you all of your maturity. You can prep your food how you want. You can sleep how you want. And then how you perform is up to you. And so I think it kind of just goes back to what we were talking about of like take every uh, variable out of this and 
do what you need to do with the space you have. Hey, one six, as you go, can you just cover what's the sleep cycle like though in the hotel? Because I mean, we're, we're letting you be mature people, but you ain't sleeping a lot this week. So can you cover that? Sure. The sleep cycle, uh, throughout the week, it slowly diminishes from the beginning towards your, uh, phase three. So you'll start out maybe getting five, six hours. It'll dwindle down a little, a little more, a little more. And then, uh, you know, the rest is up to phase three after that. But yeah, you'll see the uh, sleep schedule does diminish uh, throughout the week. What else about the hotel life stood out to you that they haven't covered yet? Anything? What I like about the uh, hotel concept is that all the events and where you're lodging are centrally located. So you don't have to worry about the logistics of guys getting back and forth anywhere. You're here, you wake up, you go downstairs, you're where you need to be. And so that was just one less thing to have to worry about throughout the process. So I thought it was a, a very good move, or I don't know how long you guys have been doing this, but I thought it was a very good move to have people in the hotel. So I would just like you guys to just kind of riff at the end and just what are you most looking forward to um, once this PCS time and the next phase of your life starts? Yeah, I mean, the I guess the stress of the week uh, finally wearing off over the next few days. I think one of the big things I'm looking forward to is finally having a place to call more of a home, I guess, being in the military for the last 10 years, it's kind of been that constant dread of when am I going to pop orders and where is it going to take me? So uh, one of the words that gets tossed around a lot is controlling your future. And uh, so being able to come here and know that for the foreseeable future, I'll be able to raise a family and have, uh, you know, stability here is probably by far the most beneficial thing I'm looking forward to. One six, how about you? What are you looking forward to in your next phase? I think the thing I'm most looking forward to is just uh, pushing that training uh, to the next level, uh, surrounding myself with those guys that uh, are are determined to improve and uh, essentially just get to the level that the, the highest level they can uh, potentially achieve. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Two four, over to you. Round us off. What are you looking forward to in this next phase? So one, two hit one of the biggest things I'm excited about is that stability. Um, I don't have a family currently, but I'm just like tired of moving. Even before the military, I moved a reasonable amount. And I'm, I'm going to be really happy to just have a place that I can know I'm always going to come back to for the foreseeable future. Um, but on top of that, man, I'm really excited to get into OTC and take the skills that I've already learned and like get to try and apply them at, a, at the highest level. That's something that is so exciting for me. I've heard some stories about guys going through OTC and like the unbelievable challenge that it is and the unbelievable results that they're seeing in their capabilities in the job. All right, guys, I appreciate y'all taking your time. We've been recording for about an hour and a half just so the audience knows. So I took a lot of these guys days today. So I sure do appreciate you guys coming and sharing the experience. It's going to help me develop a better process. It's going to help people who are thinking about making this a a future assignment um, prep and come up here and hopefully find success like you guys did. So I appreciate you guys uh, coming up and talking to me. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Free. Mr. Free, we appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having us on.